chapter 13. Uh, We're going to be reading from verses 24 to 37. Mark chapter 13, uh, verses 24 to 37. If you've been on Alpha, do you want to come out to the front? If you've ever been on Alpha, I'm not going to ask you to do anything, don't worry. If you've been on Alpha, and I'm giving some time for the translation, if you've been on Alpha, come to the front, please. Come out. Ever. Ever Ever in the history of the universe. No. Ever. Oh, no, sorry, hold on. As not serving on Alpha, as one of the guests. Right. I don't just mean serving, as in you've been one of the people who kind of the gospel has been opened up to you on Alpha. Keep coming. Keep coming. Pile around. And all of you out there, take a careful look at some of these guys. You might want to spread, up so, spread out so they can see you carefully. Because there's something about us telling people about Alpha and say come on, pray for those guys, Uh, pray for your guests, ask them to come along. There's something about telling you about what the Alpha course is and showing you these leaflets, but there's something altogether different about seeing the fruit of Alpha. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing what God does? And look, these aren't aren't just, some of of them have recently come to faith. But some of these guys are serving and have been serving. Uh, One guy just came off the stage there and was worshipping in in a lot of the things that we do as a church, that you put your uh, God-given money in, finances in, time in, all of that prayers in. A lot of these guys are also serving in that God-given mission. Can can, can, Can we give God a round of applause for these guys? Well done. Take your seats. So our next Alpha course, if you haven't got the uh, message, is the 9th of October for eight weeks. We've been doing it differently over the last few uh, months. Um, Eight weeks. We don't have an away day. We do that within the course itself. We find that more people can get to it. Um, And we open up the different aspects of the gospel And not just information, but a gospel that, as we saw here this morning, transforms people's lives. So please do pray for people and encourage them to come along. Uh, Brilliant to have you guys up on the front who've been on Alpha. It's been amazing to watch what God has been doing in you all. So, um, good morning. If you're a visitor here this morning... um, Uh, We love having visitors. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, joining us. I hope you've enjoyed worshipping with us uh, this morning. As you've probably gathered with all the songs we've uh, been um, singing, we love celebrating and singing about all that Jesus, God himself, that's what we believe, uh, um, has done and is doing in our lives, in other people's lives, and the world around us. Uh, the world around us and the world we live in. This wonderful Jesus that we've been singing about and we sing about and talk about and pray to each week is very, very important to us. Um, So much so, actually, that we've been um, 
uh, unpacking over the last few months, spending quite a few, quite a lot of hours really, working through uh, the gospel of Mark, literally translated the joy news, the joy news of Jesus. Um, The gospel of Mark, a fascinating detailed account of the life and death and resurrection of this God-man who has undoubtedly, hear this, who has undoubtedly shaped and changed the world you live in in more ways than you can possibly imagine or realize. That is an uncontroversial statement. It's just fact. If you're not a Christian here this morning, listen up. Because this Jesus who, we, who we're going to be exploring uh, much further this morning is worth, so much so, worth listening to. Uh, and, and so we take him very seriously. And we would really encourage you to take his words, his teaching very seriously. Do you hear that? Jesus has the ability to transform lives for eternity. So let's read uh, Mark chapter 13 together. It's, quite a, very, it's a very difficult chapter. Um, Simon uh, opened it up last week. Um, but what's brilliant about going through the Bible line by line or uh, sections by sections is we can't miss these difficult bits out. Um, um, and so this is a bit where Jesus quite graphically and vividly is unpacking what, the, uh, what theologians, uh, Christians call the second coming, judgment day, the end of the world as we know it. Now, I know in our day a lot of people uh, struggle with this um, uh, truth of the Christian faith, uh, both inside and outside the church. But the Bible, the Bible talks about it a lot. Jesus, as you read the different Gospels, talked about it a lot. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about it, not a lot, but a reasonable amount. Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. This is a bit high for me. Ah, that's better. Jesus said, Mark 13... Jesus said, but in in those days, and he's talking about his second coming, in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the skies, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man, Jesus, in all of his glory, coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and soft, its leaves come out. You know, uh, and, and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep 
watch Jubilee because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Whether it's in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this, um, the whole of Mark uh, 13. I thank you, Lord, for your gospels and their truth. I thank you for the difficult bits. I thank you for the challenging bits. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we unpack this, we unpack this, this, this difficult section of your teaching, uh, a section of teaching that is so countercultural and sometimes even laughable in this culture. We pray, Lord God, that your truth prevails, that your truth uh, is understood, that your truth makes a difference in all that we say, we do, and live by. So, Holy Spirit, come and be with me as I unpack this. Uh, I pray, Lord God, um, that you'll open our ears to the wonder of your teaching and the importance of your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. So, strong words, eh? Strong words from the mouth of Jesus, really about being a people prepared. That's what Paul Woodward, by the way, Paul and Jean, they're both very poorly at the moment. They've got some sort of flu bug. Jean's been in bed for at least, uh, well, quite a few days. Last Sunday, you might have seen them. I don't think Jean wanted to be there on Sunday night. She was feeling dreadful. So I think Paul might be getting it. So really pray for them. He's also having difficulty with his eye. He's had it injected again. Some of you know that that's been going on. They're off to Tanzania on Thursday with Jonathan and Angela. Please pray for them that God heals them and they're equipped and ready to go, okay? But actually, Paul brought that a few weeks ago, didn't he? About a people being prepared, a people prepared in the light of a future eternity. Very important. And so my three headings this morning are, be prepared, Jesus is coming back. Be prepared, Jesus calls us to action. And be prepared. Keep watch. Don't be a sleeper. So firstly, be prepared. Jesus is coming back. You see, when people read this kind of stuff, what has become known as um, apocalyptic writing or eschatology, describing the end times, the last times, they either just laugh at it, get annoyed over it, or sometimes just freak out over it. They get a little worried about the kind of people who believe this sort of stuff. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. Ah, frightening. It's meant to be. Jesus is trying to grab your attention. Jubilee, has he grabbed your attention? He's grabbed mine. You see, we don't have a problem with the Christmas story, do we? Some of you are going to be going to those rehearsals and singing about the Christmas story in December. The first coming of Jesus is really nice. The star, the three wise men, the shepherds, the little baby in a manger, no crying in Lovely, soft, gentle. 
A phenomenal miracle, actually, that God would abandon all his heavenly splendor, power and glory, and come to earth as a mere man, breathtaking. A, a beautiful, wonderful, if you really think about it, Christmas is nice, isn't it? What we don't like so much is what we've just read about. Here the stars are falling out of the sky, not so pretty anymore. Heaven is shaking, darkness is coming in, clouds are descending from on high. All heaven is breaking loose, if you like. Help, get me out of here. Don't like Jesus very much now, do you? But as you read the Bible, it is very clear the Bible is very clear about a day when Jesus will come back a second time, just like how we've read, not as a baby anymore, but as the divine judge of the universe. Serious. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 4, so you must be ready because the Son of Man, Jesus, will come at an hour you do not expect him to come. Jesus is coming back a second time to judge the world, to bring a new heaven and a new earth. We talked about it the other day, actually, uh, when I spoke about heaven, didn't we? Now, I know a lot of people get all confused about this whole idea of Jesus coming back as the judge, God being the judge and whatnot. On the one hand, you see, we can get all angry at God and attack him for not judging this world enough. And then a few minutes later... We can get all angry at that same God for, not, for judging too much. How can he allow all that evil and suffering to go on, go on in that country or to that person? It's just not fair. Come on, God. Pull your socks up. Do something. Humph, humph, humph. And then in our next breath, we're asking, how, God can, how, uh, how can God dare say to me that sleeping with my boyfriend is wrong? I love him. We're perfect together. Marriage is just an outdated concept. We say things like that, don't we? Contradictory things all the time. I do. And when I think about it, it's not so much that we have a problem with God being the judge, we just have a little difference of opinion who sh on who should be on the receiving end of his judgment. It can be everyone except me. We're quite fickle like that, really. I know I am. And the very fact that we can be so confused, hypocritical sometimes, and messed up in our own judgments is precisely, precisely the reason why we need an all-knowing God of creation to be our supreme judge. That's the very reason. It's a good thing, actually, a very good thing. Thank goodness you're not in charge, or me. Uh, Francis Schaeffer uh, a Christian philosopher and Bible teacher once did a, I love that, uh, I like this little uh, thought experiment. He once did a little thought experiment getting us to think about Jesus being the judge. And he said something like this Imagine God puts a little invisible tape recorder. Now, uh, Matthew, that might, be, that might be something else these days. But anyhow, for the rest of us, imagine that God puts um, 
uh, a little invisible tape recorder around everybody's neck. And the only thing that a tape recorder ever picks up is when you tell somebody uh, how they ought to be or how they, how they should be living. Sound familiar? Uh, so only when you start to say things like, you ought to be doing that, or you should never do that, or I can't believe what you've just said, suddenly, click, this tape recorder starts recording. In other words, it only records your standards for behavior, your standards um, for other people's lives, your standards for other situations. Just imagine this little tape recorder around your neck. And then as you roll on through your lifetime with this tape recorder around your neck, clicking away, you, you eventually come to that great judgment day when you're standing before the throne of Jesus. This is just a thought experiment, by the way. And Jesus says to you on that great day, do you know what? I'm really going to be fair. You have no idea how fair I'm going to be. This is the deal. I'm actually not going to judge you by my standards. I'm God. I'm not going to judge you by the golden rules or the Ten Commandments or the law, law of God or the Bible or even the example of my life. No, no. I'm going to be much more fair about it than that. I'm going to judge you by your own standards. Click, click, click. And so he comes up to you and he, and he takes that little tape recorder off your head and you said, gosh, I didn't realize that was there. And he says, no, it's invisible. <laughs> this is just a thought experiment. And then he says, why don't we just start playing it back and see if you've lived up to your own standards. And so he plays it back. And we listen. And we keep listening. And we keep listening. And by the silence here, I, I know the answer to this, but how do you think you would feel? Be honest. The reality would be this. Even if that's how God did his final judgment, based on only your own standards, that are, there, there'd, be not a face, there'd be not a person on the face of the earth who would stand and pass that judgment day. You know that. Even though we keep wanting to, we are too ill-equipped, we're too unqualified. We're not God to sit on the judgment throne of heaven. Do you see that? Having God there is a really good thing. Knowing God will set all things right is a really, really good thing. Wayne Grudem, a Bible teacher, writes this, God always acts in accordance with what is right and is the final standard for what is right. The psalmist also says something similar a lot before Wayne Grudem. In Psalm 89, it says this, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, God. Love and faithfulness go before you. Are you getting the message here? Jubilee, the Bible tells us that there is a day coming, guaranteed, a point in history that all mankind is moving towards, and a point, uh, an appointment that no person who has ever lived or uh, can, can or will miss, where every arguing mouth will be shut in complete agreement, 
as the risen Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead and decide our eternal fate. A day where the King of Heaven that we've been singing about this morning will pronounce acquittal or condemnation to those before him. And what will matter the absolute most is not so much the balance between all the good things we've done, we've done against all the bad things we've done, but rather whether we trust and love and put our faith in this one and only judge, Jesus, God himself. That is how we will be judged, whether you like it or not. If you're not a Christian here this morning, that might offend you. But actually, it's a phenomenal demonstration of his love. This king, this judge, is pleading with you to be prepared, not to be caught out on the final day, because when that day comes, there is no, no turning back. Do you hear that? What Jesus is saying here is very sobering stuff, and he doesn't want it to fall on proud, deaf, arrogant ears. Will you hear this Jesus out? Jesus is coming back. Well, that's all very well, you might say. One day, uh, there'll be a day of judgment. One day, Jesus will return again. But so what? Does that mean we can all just sit back and wait? Won't that kind of thinking just uh, make us proud and arrogant? We're better than them because we're going there and they're going down there. Won't it make us distance ourselves from the world that is so desperately in need of help? Or is there more to the second coming of Jesus? Yes, there is, point two. Point two, be prepared. Jesus calls us to action. You see, the second coming of Jesus, if understood properly and digested, makes us as Christians sit up and take this world that we live in very seriously, much more so than others, actually. Because they, as we said the other day, that Imagine song, they are living for today. But we are a people who live for eternity. It makes a difference. It really does. So how so? And what does Jesus say about it in this passage? Look at verse 26. It says this. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. When I've read that before, I've actually read it wrongly. I've imagined the Jesus of Revelation 1 and 19 on a white horse with great flaming eyes and many crowns and a, and a great big sword coming through the clouds with great power and glory. But do you know what? It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that. It, do, it, it, it doesn't say that on the final uh, day Jesus comes through the clouds. It says, on the final day, Jesus comes in the clouds, bringing the clouds of God's great power and glory. That's actually a very, very important detail, and it's unpacked in the rest of the Bible. You see, in the beginning of the Bible, Eden was like paradise. Why was it paradise? It was paradise because the presence of God was there. 
The absolute, immediate presence of God, his, his overwhelming beauty, power, glory, his, uh, his holiness, aliveness, nothing dead, nothing diseased, nothing broken, nothing evil, nothing twisted, perfect, glorious, beautiful, life-giving. That's why, uh, that's why it was paradise. God was there in all of his glory. But when mankind decided to go his own way, just as mankind does today, not to live for God anymore, but to live for himself, thinking he was better than God, wiser than God, doing it his, his own way, leave me alone, God, believing the devil's lie that God somehow was against him, it all goes wrong, doesn't it? We've read about that. What the Bible calls the fall, when everything falls apart psychologically, socially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. The absolute immediate presence of God is withdrawn from the earth. Not now paradise anymore, but paradise lost. A place of brokenness and coldness. But as God's story moves on, as we read the Bible, we see glimpses of his grace, undeserved grace and mercy and compassion, touching lives, touching people, touching this world. A God who wants to be with his creation, who wants to bring his restoration, life-giving presence once again into the tabernacle, that tent of meeting, into the great temple. What did it look like, this absolute immediate presence of God. What did it look like? I'll tell you what it looked like. In the day, it looked like a cloud. And at night, a fiery glory. There's even a Hebrew word for it, the Shekinah. You might have heard of that. The cloud of glory, the radiance, the brilliance of the immediate presence of God in whose, in whose presence nothing dead, nothing diseased, nothing imperfect, nothing evil, nothing twisted can exist eternally. And do you know what? That's what this verse 26 is saying. Phenomenal. When Jesus comes back, he's bringing the ultimate Shekinah the glory cloud. He's bringing um, the presence of God to envelope the entire world and make it the garden of Eden again. The whole world, all perfected, all beautified, end of death, end of disease, end of hunger, end of poverty, end of injustice, end of violence. That's God's heart. That's God's plan through and through. And so as Christians jubilee, we don't just sit back and wait. That's what we too are all about, aren't we? What matters to God matters to us. What God goes out of his way to bring, so do we, yeah? His drumbeat is our drumbeat, isn't it? Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God in uh, all his completeness, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, surely, surely I am with you to the very 
end of the age. That's God's promise. We, Jubilee, are a going people, bringing the Shekinah glory of God now. Now. Julian Adams uh, said something um, when he was here with us last in 2012 that I've never really forgotten, that keeps coming back to me, that is rooted in what I believe Jubilee, uh, Jubilee's call is now and for the future. He said this, God is calling us to move away from making the church an end in itself, but rather for the church, Jubilee, to release the kingdom to a people. Do you see what he's saying? Do you see the difference? The church, you see, Jubilee, was never intended to just be a static place where people have to just keep coming to all the time to experience God, but rather the church is a community, you and me, changed altogether, newly transformed people on the go, out there, in every nook and cranny, in every dark corner, releasing the kingdom to a lost and dying world. How? In, in signs and wonders, in miracles, in truth, in healing, in compassion, in care, in love, just like Jesus did, bringing the Shekinah glory of God, a glimpse of heaven out there, going. That's why we do all the stuff that we do. Through serving, on, uh, through serving our young people in Ignite and Impact, through our kids' work here on Sundays and in different settings, through our community groups, Safe Families, um, Alpha, Fundays, Church Walks, the Hope Foundation, our prayer teams, our prayer weeks, Sunday mornings, Food Bank, Christ Central, Churches, the New Frontiers family of churches that we uh, belong to, a whole load of other stuff, stuff that I don't even know about or uh, I can remember, we're extending, Jubilee, the kingdom of God, along with other churches, bringing the transforming joy news of Jesus alive out there. Out there. That's why we kingdom invest in things like Sparklers, our toddlers group, in all the brilliant work that you guys do in open door in raise that's why we invest in supporting our leadership through training and gathering them and meeting with them in people like Simon and Paul Cattrall uh, and Jackie who I've just read a, a text from is at home with a migraine what's going on everybody's getting ill um, uh, and, and, and many of our other volunteers uh, who facilitate so much of what Jubilee does. Invaluable, really. I'm proud that actually we invest more in people than projects, that we're not just a faceless army. Why? Because it's the people who bring the teams of people into the mission field. Out there. So thank you. Thank you. Um, you guys are amazing. You stimulate my faith. More recently, I've been going into the office, and the hub and the vibrant feeling in the office is like brilliant, quite excited. God is doing stuff through you, Jubilee. Yeah? That's why we pour um, our, that's why we pour our God-given money and time into our involvement abroad. 
with other churches and their leaders, like in Tanzania, in Ghana, in Turkey, in Canada, in Spain. There'll be more places we're going to be called to go, Jubilee, because our God is a God of the nations, a, a big God with a big plan. I love being part of this multi-ethnic church of people from many nations. Don't you? Matthew, uh, Jesus said in Matthew uh, 24, he said this, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Not before. We're seeing glimpses of the nations in the church. The late John Stott Bible teacher, he once wrote, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. Hallelujah. I'm really looking forward to being part of the uh, New Frontiers Christ Central uh, team this year, going to Canada just in October next month. Uh, We've built some wonderful relationships out there. The churches are growing at a phenomenal rate. Uh, this is, these are my friends. There's other people. I can't fit them all on a slide. These, uh, top right, these are my friends, Clyde and Rochelle, who are, have moved from church plant to uh, a proper, uh, well, actually, from a gathering to a church plant meeting in Toronto City, City Light Church. The other guys are a bunch of um, who, oh God, I've got to be careful here, who probably themselves would have called themselves rednecks. Okay, who came to faith in a little outback place called Fergus. And there I was, not knowing what they would call themselves, sitting with them, a dark-skinned person in their presence, um, having a sauna and, and swimming in a freezing cold lake, and then sitting in the sauna, asking them one by one, what's your story? And tears down these very hard guys, one by one, giving their story about how God broke in and how God changed their views, and probably changed their views of me. Scary, but it was brilliant. The the churches out there are increasingly growing. There's churches that are becoming church plants, little uh, church plants that are becoming churches. Increasingly, the churches are coming together under the banner of new frontiers more and more. Now from the U.S., from Peru... This was unheard of, really, in this uh, uh, part of the world, that so many Christian churches were coming together in unity under um, a movement, something they're doing together. God is on the move in Canada. This year, I'm really excited about taking Andy with me. Um, 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 uh, 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 I don't know what to say now. Yeah, I'm really... Sorry. I, start, I, I, I normally keep to my notes, as you probably know, but um, I got a bit carried away there. I'm really excited about taking uh, Andy with me. They're going to love Andy. They're going to love you, Andy, um, with all your zeal and passion and ticks and riskiness and cheekiness and prophetic edge, all of that stuff, all thrown into such a fine specimen of a human being. I, sh- <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. We're going to have fun out there. I don't know where he is. I can't even look at him. We're going to have fun out there, aren't we? But we're also going to bring encouragement. We're going to bring challenge. We're going to bring questions. Please pray for us as we go out there together. 
please pray for Paul and Jean and Angela and Jonathan as they go out to Tanzania. Pray for the nation's jubilee. Read about what, is, what God is doing in the nations, particularly through New Frontiers, but throughout the world. Check out websites, because it will stir your faith about the bigness of our God. You see, as we approach our gift day on the 5th of, God, uh, on the 5th of October, will you let God take you to an altogether different place? a different level of faith. Will you, will, you, will, will you let him move you? You know what? I'm really excited about this uh, gift day coming up. I'm excited about what God can and is going to do through little old uses. I'm excited about all the prophetic promises that he's spoken over us as a church, however unlikely some of those things might look right now. I'm excited that in some small way, I can partner in God's forever big way. I'm excited about how the money God has provided for me can make a difference to the eternity. That's what this is all about, the eternity of this world. That in my giving, I can demonstrate my love and thankfulness to him, Jesus, who gave everything for me. Jubilee, are you excited about the 5th of October? I am. I know for some of you, the gift day might be a bit of a daunting prospect. How am I going to be able to give to God? These are difficult times, aren't they? But I remember what Julian said, full of loads of pastoral halls, but this is what he said. Jesus is not in a recession. The question, the point he was making is, how big is your God? That's the point. Because that makes a difference to everything we do, including our given. Over the next few weeks, can I ask you to pray about your part in this adventure of giving, particularly this coming gift day, but also your regular giving to Jubilee. As I've said on a number of occasions in faith, we've committed 40k of kingdom action money that we don't actually have yet. Haven't we, Jonathan? We have. We do that regularly, actually. God always provides. We deliberately want to be an eldership team who push out, step out, lead out in faith, not just in pragmatically worked out perfect numbers, but rather always asking that question, how big is our God going to be this year? Because in those faith moments, those faith opportunities, you know what? He just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Do you get it? Will you trust him, Jubilee? Will you keep trusting him? Firstly, Jesus is coming back as the perfect judge of all the earth. Secondly, Jesus will be the one, uh, Jesus will one day bring in the full extent of the Shekinah glory and power of God. And we, Jubilee, have the privilege of co-working with him in the here and now, reaching out to the poor, the marginalized, the lost in Teesside, in this nation and in the nations, in action for him. Gift day, 5th of October. Thirdly, thirdly, finally, be prepared, keep watch. That's what Jesus says. He actually says in verse 33, Jesus says, 
Be, very stern words, actually. Very kind of sit-up-and-listen words. Be on guard. Be alert. Keep watch. If he's coming, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Jubilee, when we are called to be watchers on guard, not sleepers, alert, not distracted, in tune, not drifting. This whole chapter is about seeing with the eyes of faith, recognizing the times that we're in, realizing that the things we get distracted about or cause us to drift actually don't matter in eternity, that God has a plan and that we're fully part um, even that we're fully part of, even if our situation or the world looks unpredictable or difficult or even sometimes frightening. This is a chapter jubilee about being prepared. The assurance of an all-knowing and all-powerful God of the universe. One commentary uh, on Mark says this, uh, try and follow it. It's a little tricky, but try and follow it. This may, he's talking about the Gospel of Mark, this may be the, re- the main reason why this Gospel was written, to help people see that true faith does not save one from half- hard times or difficult experiences, as many have hoped. True faith often leads one into hard times and difficult experiences. The glory of faith in Christ as they were, as, is, is that we're not saved from them, but in them, those difficult times. The Christian's calling is to watch and endure. We are not part of the world of quick spiritual fixes or flashy, impressive messiahs. To be on guard and prepared and to last out, those things are more impressive testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ and more realistic Two, there is no escapism in the gospel. We are born again, Jubilee, by grace through faith, aren't we? And so therefore, that born again, miraculous experience enables us to see through the eyes of faith, live by the eyes of faith, pray with the eyes of faith, with God the Holy Spirit as our tutor, God with us. A totally different way of looking, and a way that brings his kingdom into focus, his plans, his unseen realm often. That's what faith often is about, to turn our attention towards God, not just difficult situations or uncertainty. As the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above not on earthly things. Are we going to be a community of faith, Jubilee? A community of faith, watching for, eagerly awaiting the coming of our beautiful King, Jesus, yearning to see him face to face, not without hope, but purposeful and strong and full of confidence and assurance in the here and now. Because Jesus, Jesus, has won for that, won that for us, you and me, on the cross. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? Will you live like you believe it? Will you stand and finish strong? Will you? 
I'm going to end with this quote, and then we're going to worship. Um, it's a quote from uh, one of John Piper's books, and it says this. I've put it up on the screen. As long as the world... If the band can come up, that'd be great as well. As long as the world lasts, Jesus will be with us in this world. This is the loving comfort, the one who has put all his enemies under his feet and has died for us and has risen for us and has triumphed over sin and guilt and condemnation and suffering and death and Satan, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. This one, Jesus, comforts us by promising us he will be continually with us to the end of the age, to do us good and to bring us safely to everlasting joy. Let's stand.